the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Simple trust and faith, even when it looks impossible. That's next on today's broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. When God doesn't make sense, we really struggle with that, don't we? There are times God would have us do or say things that just don't make sense. They don't seem logical to us. Yet, we are called to trust God nonetheless, aren't we? Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Our time together today returns us to Luke. We're in chapter 5, looking at verses 1 through 11. It's there that Jesus does some teaching from a boat and then tells his disciples to go fishing in the middle of the day, right after they've already gone fishing and caught nothing. I know, we face this same thing day in and day out. It's called faith. Join us as we're encouraged in our faith today. At your word, I will do. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. The familiar gospel story that was read to us earlier teaches us what happens to a person when he comes face to face with Jesus Christ and Christ calls him to be his disciple. In this passage of scripture, we read about Simon Peter, who underwent a profound personal experience and whose life was never the same again because he realized fully who Jesus really was. Now to understand something of the point of this story, we need to consider what the disciples were doing as the story begins, as well as what the Lord Jesus Christ was doing. Peter, James, and John were fishermen working at their trade. And according to Matthew and Mark, they had already been called by Jesus Christ to be his apostles. And as newly called apostles, they obeyed his call and were following him. But at this point in their lives, their following of Christ was minimal. They were still spending a great amount of time in their fishing trade, and they had not yet been spending much time at all in the presence of Jesus. So Jesus uses this, in, this situation, this incident, to bring Peter and the other apostles to a full and total commitment of their lives to himself. Now, I believe Jesus, through Luke, presents this incident in the life of Peter to us, so that, in effect, it will, be, it will be used as the original incident affected the Apostle Peter. And that is, that through this, our faithfulness, our commitment to Christ, will be brought to maturity by the power of the Word of God through this story that we will never be lax in our submission to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what was Jesus doing? 
Well, our text says that Jesus was busily engaged in doing the very thing that his father sent him to earth to do, preaching the word of God. And at this point in his ministry, his preaching was so favorable with the crowds that it was almost impossible to escape them. They were constantly pressing in around him. This particular crowd was pressing in to hear the word of God to preach to them, to hear the message that originated with God that the Lord Jesus Christ was sent to us to declare. The message that was about God himself and about his reign and his saving kingdom upon this earth. The crowds kept getting closer and closer. They kept pressing harder and harder upon Jesus until until Jesus, in order to be heard by all of the people, had to step off of the shore and on to a boat. The boat was then rowed just a short distance from the shore and was used as a pulpit from which he could continue to preach the gospel to this pressing crowd of people. And then our text says, After he finished his sermon to the crowd, he turned around to Peter and he demanded Peter to do something. And what he commanded Peter to do was both unusual and laughable. Notice what Luke says in verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. That's what the word drought means. Now these fishermen knew where the fish were in this lake. They knew that the best time to fish was at night, not in the middle of the morning, which was most likely the time of day that this incident took place. They had been fishing all night long, and they had pulled up their nets and were now washing and mending them. And Jesus says, boys, let's do some fishing in the deep part of the lake. Who does this man think he is. Peter is the expert at the fishing business, and Jesus must have sounded pretty ignorant to him. Go out to the deep place. You don't fish in the deep place. Go out and fish in the middle of the morning. That is simply crazy. Everyone there who had any fishing sense knew that you fished late at night. Peter was probably thinking, if I put out the fish now, Now remember, there's a crowd of people on the shore, many, maybe thousands, who just heard Jesus preach. And among them were surely many expert fishermen. And if Peter were to all of a sudden push out to the middle of the lake and start fishing, all of the other fishermen would probably crack up on the shore thinking he was a few cells short of a brain. I mean, it was foolish. It was irrational, laughable, contrary to the expertise of all the fishermen. You don't catch fish in the middle of the day in the deepest part of the lake. Now, in order to understand this story here, you've got to fully appreciate what I just said. You've got to keep in mind that if Peter goes back out into the lake at this point, after fishing all night, he would look like a fool, and he knows it. Well, what was Jesus doing here by this order? Jesus gave this ridiculous, on-the-surface command to this expert fisherman, Peter, to stretch and complete 
his devotion to his Lord. The question is, will Peter leave everything now? Will Peter be willing to do anything, even that which seems ridiculous and embarrassing, to please and to follow Christ? That is the issue here. The question is, will you? Are you willing to do anything, even if it is ridiculous and causes a great amount of embarrassment for you? Are you willing to do anything to please the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, beloved, you shouldn't have come here today if you didn't want the Word of God to tax you and stretch you and sift you. And it's too late now. You can't leave. Well, I mean, you could, but it's really too late because the test has already been administered to you. You have already heard the Word of God, and right now, God is sifting you and I and testing us and challenging us just as much as He was challenging Peter in that boat 2,000 years ago. Are you willing to do anything just to please the Lord Jesus Christ even if the world thinks you are a fool for doing it. Now, what was Peter's response? In verse 4, Jesus gives us the command. And now listen to verse 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night, and we have taken in nothing. Nevertheless, at thy bidding, or at your word, I will let down the net. Now, first of all, notice what Peter called Jesus. Because in the word he used in addressing him, we see something of Peter's attitude toward him now. In verse 5, Peter refers to him as master. And then in verse 8 we read, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus, and that is he saw this great catch of fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He called him Master and Lord. Now, Jesus is called several names in the gospel. Some places, particularly by those who are, were not yet his disciples, he's simply called teacher. In other places, but not here in the book of Luke, he's called rabbi. But here, he is called Master and Lord, and both of those words are very rich in their meaning. The Greek word for master means that the person who uses that word understands that he is in the closest possible human, race, human relationship to this person that he is calling Master. And he understands that this person is his superior officer, his commander-in-chief, his leader. He understands that this man he calls master has total claim on every part of his life. He is to do what he says, regardless of what it is. Now, whenever Jesus' disciples addressed him as Lord, Curios. It was the conscious acknowledgement of Christ's superior authority over them. And it always involved their subjection to his words and his commandments. 
They didn't use the word Lord as lightly as we do. In our prayers, we simply say, oh, thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Lord, will you please heal my ingrown toenail? No, in the New Testament, whenever the word Lord is used, it is always in the recognition that that man has authority over my life, and I am accountable to obey him in whatever he says. In fact, if you do a study of the word Lord in the Gospels, you'll find several interesting things. First, you'll find that it always carried with it the dignity of messianic ideals. Whenever Jesus is addressed as Lord, that he was, it was, uh, he was seen as the promised Messiah. He is seen as the one who was sent by God and who was to bring salvation to his people. Also, Jesus was consciously called that by his disciples. Because in doing so, they were saying to him that he alone is the Lord and the King of their life. Not Caesar, who was called Lord by his subjects. When Christ's disciples addressed Jesus by the same title that the citizens of Rome addressed the emperor, the disciples were saying, it's not the state, it's not the civil government, it's not Caesar whom we pledge our total unquestioned allegiance to, it is this man, Jesus our Lord, the Lord. And so Peter here calls Jesus master. Commander-in-chief, he who has total authority over me, the Lord, my Messiah, not Caesar. Lord in the New Testament also always signified that the person called this was deity. It is the Greek word for Jehovah in the Old Testament. So when Jesus is called Lord, he is being referred to as God the Creator. The covenant Lord of the people of God. So whenever his disciples called Jesus Lord, they were recognizing that he was to be identified with Jehovah himself. The Lord's Christ is Christ the Lord. So when Peter calls Jesus Master and Lord, he is conveying to him that he recognizes his place of total unqualified submission to Christ. And that Jesus has total sovereignty over his life. He realizes that his only proper place in this universe. And the only reason for his existence is to bow before this one who he calls master and Lord. In absolute, complete submission to whatever this man commands. But because he recognizes this man is God. Who is sovereign over all things including Peter. Do you recognize, beloved, that this is the place you must hold in this universe? Do you realize that there is no other justification for your existence? That there is no other place for you in this universe than right by Peter calling Jesus of Nazareth Master and Lord? Saying concerning this man who is God, I recognize that my only place, my only duty is to give you unqualified submission of myself, my family, my money, 
my energy, my time, my thoughts, everything that I am and everything that I have because I recognize that you and you alone are my master, my Lord, and my sovereign. That is why God created you, beloved. That is why you are alive to take your place at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's go back now to Peter's response. Now, if you think I'm reading into this more than, this, than Peter, this simple fisherman, understood, then you need to think on verse 5. Because when you do, you'll realize that Peter understood exactly what Jesus was asking of him. Verse 5, And Simon answering said, Master. Now remember that what Jesus had just said. Peter, I want you to do a foolish thing. I want you to do something that everyone's going to laugh at you when you do. I want you to put out into the deep and cast out your nets in the middle of the day. And yet Peter said, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will do your will. I will let down the net. Now by that response, it should be obvious that Peter understood fully what was being demanded of him. Peter wasn't rebuking Jesus by these words. You don't rebuke someone you call Master and Lord unless you're a fool. Peter wasn't raising an objection to Jesus as if he thought about refusing it. He was simply uttering a misgiving. Jesus, I and my helpers have worked in the best fishing holes on the lake all night, and we have totally failed. Jesus was was asking much of Peter. And through Peter's response, we can see he understood that. He said, in effect, Jesus, we are exhausted after a sleepless, fatiguing, and wasted night of fishing. But at your word, I will do. I will let down my net. He understood at this point in his life that Jesus demanded more of him than his fishing business. Now the fishing business demanded a great deal of fishermen. It was a night job. And then after you finished all night, you were tired and sleepy, and yet you still had to mend the nets and clean the boat. It was a wearying job. The demands of the fishing industry upon the fishermen was truly great. And Peter, at this point in his life, understood Jesus Christ was demanding more of me than my business is demanding of me. He demands on my life total commitment. Now, those of you who are successful in your your employment, 40, 50, or 60 hours of work a week is not unusual, is it? Your wife thinks you work too much and you sincerely wish you could be home more. Your job, in order to advance and make the kind of money you think you can make to the glory of God using the gifts that God has given you, can be demanding on you. Well, Peter is telling you right here, by these words, that the Lord Jesus Christ is demanding more of you than your job or business will ever demand of you. 
Jesus is demanding a submission from Peter that goes beyond a man's vocation and goes beyond the demands of human relations. Those of you who are fathers and mothers, you know the demands of children. You know the demands of your spouses and, your, and the demands of your time. You know what it is to go to bed worn out night after night, burning the midnight oil because of the demands of human relationships, of marriage and of parenthood. Well, I want to tell you mothers and housewives, the demands of the Lord Jesus Christ, the demands that the Lord Jesus Christ places on your life go beyond the demands that your husband and children will ever make upon you. The demands of submission that the Lord Jesus Christ lays upon us goes beyond human exhaustion. It goes beyond what you are capable of doing in your own strength. When you are weary, when you are worn out, and when you can't keep your eyes open or can barely take another breath or another step, the demands of the Lord Jesus Christ on your life is, I want and I demand more. The demands of Christ go beyond exhaustion because the demands that Christ places upon a man and a woman and a young person governs the desires and actions of their heart and life regardless of the cost, regardless of the embarrassment, in spite of the fact that everything a man thinks and sees in the circumstances around him contradict the command. Jesus commands us like he commanded Peter. Walk solely and completely by faith and not by sight. Unconditionally, unhesitatingly, unequivocally submitting yourself to the commanding word of Jesus. And that, my friend, was not just something that Jesus pressed upon Peter long ago. That is exactly what Jesus Christ is commanding of you and I right now. You say, Gary, that's just too much for me. I can't do it. I've got all I can do right now with a husband and children. I've got all I can do with a wife and a job and children. That's more than I can take. And I tell you right now, if that's your choice, you will go to hell. Believing in Jesus as your Lord and Savior means taking the place of Peter and recognizing the total claim of Jesus Christ on every part of your life. It, it means recognizing that you are to be the best possible spouse you can be. Not because of the demands of your husband or your wife, but because of the demands of Christ on wives and on husbands. It means you're going to be the best parent that any child could possibly want. Not because of the demands of your children on you, but because of the demands of Christ on you telling you, this is how I want you to parent your children. You're going to be the best child that any parent could want. Not because of the demands of your parents on you, but because of the demands of the Lord Jesus Christ upon your life. Saying, here's how I want a child to be and to act. And on the job, you're going to be the best worker, the best employee, the best businessman that any employer could want regardless of how much money you make. Not because of the demands of the job or the employer or the amount of money you make. 
but because of the demands of the Lord Jesus Christ who says, this is the kind of businessman and employee I want you to be. His demands extend beyond the demands of spouse and parent and her employer. They govern and regulate every aspect of our lives. So what does Peter do? He totally, totally surrenders himself to the word of Jesus. Laying aside all claims on his wife, on his life. His own decisions, his own energies to follow the Lord to Jesus Christ. And he does it with these words. Master, we worked hard all night and we caught nothing. But at your word, I will do. I will let down the nets. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 40 408- 8665607 that's 4088665607 our website where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us is reformedheritage.org and then of course you can write to us at PMB that stands for post mailbox number 402 1484 Pollard Road Los Gatos California the zip code is 95032 Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.